feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm unknown to the world that's full of clones. My originality focused on principalities broken. I'm loading my heart and soul to the game that's scared to pay it back. And failure is a motherfucker. The strength to go on and believing in another sucker who don't see the vision in you. So you gotta work harder times two. Gotta make it do what you do with the limited sources you have. Your dream is still a fire. Motivation in you and. Man, man, that fucking new intro is fucking fire. Man, you want to talk about some hard work and a whole bunch of fucking back and forth conversations between me and my co-host to get that shit like that? There you go. You're welcome, like Kobe Bryant once said, the late. I'm the fire man. Well, you the fire man, because <laughs> that shit right. fire. So, ladies and gentlemen, of course, you know who I am. I am the CEO of FRFO. They call me Mr. G. Q. I am your friendly neighborhood DJ DJ Michael B. It and must we, be Wednesday. It must be Wednesday because all the milfs was hitting me up talking about daddy. Can I get a refill? <laughs> you already know what that, it is. We're gonna leave that one done. <laughs> you already know what it is. It's gentlemen's talk Wednesday. We have got a jam-packed, loaded ass, all over the place, looking like a straight shotgun blast ass show for y'all tonight. So we getting a little bit of baseball going in today. We got a tad bit of college football going in just because somebody decided to talk out the side of their neck, and we just going to put them on blast real quick. Um, so technically, this individual could be what we call a dumbass millionaire. So we going to... We may see what happens when that comes up. We got some WWE news coming down the pipe for you. We got a little bit of a UFC update going down the pipe as well. But first and foremost, before we get rocking and rolling, right before we had went live, um, DJ Michael B had brought it up, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We got to go ahead and talk about that shit first. So <laughs> DJ Michael B, go on and lead us off with that absolute bullshit. All right, man. Um, I don't know where to start because, you know, I kind of don't – we kind of don't make this a gossip show. But today, we're going to take a little slight change, and we're going to make this thing a talk show like we always do. Britney Spears, man. Britney Spears has a new autobiography out. Um, she does have say. I don't think she's writing it herself. I think she has a, 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 not a producer, an editor and everything. So she came out recently and talked about how Justin Timberlake and that relationship pretty much drove her crazy. Um, it led to low self-esteem. She got pregnant. Justin Timberlake said he wasn't ready to be a daddy. She she probably wasn't ready yet to be a mom is pretty much what he said. And pretty much she had an abortion and it sent her into mental uh, mental sickness and frustration. And we, we all saw the, 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 the Britney Spears breakdown uh, while we were young. So, I mean, my boy Cat Williams said, I didn't cause you Low self-esteem. Self-esteem is the esteem of your motherfucking self. I don't care yeah. about you, simple bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, that um my wife had told me about it, and then I was just like, wait a minute, the fuck? Like, first of all, I didn't I never knew well, none of us would have known if she never said anything that she was, you know, at one point in time she was pregnant with Justin Timberlake's baby, and JT was like, Nah, I ain't ready to be a pop yet. But and, and I get it, there are there is a um there is a legitimate mental health aspect to it when, you know, a, a woman goes down that that path and, you know, and goes through the path. Of, we'll, we'll call it termination to make it sound nice. It's not a nice thing, no matter how you look at it. But but 
it sounds like once that happened, she never went and got the help that she truly needed. Because sometimes you 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 know you gotta you gotta go talk to somebody. And if I'm keeping in a buck, nah, fuck it. Fuck around and find out. Um, you're a millionaire. You have access to all these things that most of us, no matter what kind of insurance plan program that we have, we don't get therapy for free. So you had the means to go do this and you decided not to for whatever reason. And look where it got you. Now you got, you know, there's videos on Instagram, you know, you're doing the most. You're doing the most. You know, you got somebody like Plaz just like, you know, talking about you wearing your purple bikinis and doing all this. I don't know what the fuck to call them dances. If you call them dances that you're doing, you look like one of them damn little worm men off of Men in Black, the way you were moving in the video. What the? <laughs> I told you we was going to be all over the fucking place today. Like, I'm like, it's hard to feel bad for millionaires when millionaires have the means to get the help that most of us don't get to get. But, you know, it happens. You know, she's, she's in her, she wasn't, she's damn near in her 40s now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, she wrote this kind of wrote this autobiography thing and we'll see how it goes. I'm sure it'll make, you know, I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure people will read it. I'm sure it'll sell out. That's really all I got to say on that particular thing though. I, I mean, I hate to blame this on, uh, on Jada Pinkett. Cause you know, we already blasted Jada before on here, but I mean, here's, here's my question. I'm listening. For, 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 for Brittany and, and ladies out there. We get you pregnant. We tell you we're not ready to be a dad. You don't have an abortion. You want to keep the baby. You get mad when that father is not present. What the fuck do y'all want? Exactly what you said. To be present. Like, first it's it's always, well, I didn't lay down and make a baby but myself. No, but you engaged in the fuckery too. Now I'm saying, you, you know, sometimes you do wear a condom and people still get pregnant, you know. Whatever, you know, this and that. But I mean, like, for yourself, did you take all precautions necessary to make sure you didn't get pregnant? Or did you have a say-so in whether he wore a condom or not? Did he rape you? We know he didn't rape her. At least for right now, we know he didn't rape her. She didn't come out and say he raped her. So you engaged in it. You got pregnant. You could have, if you, you, you obviously wanted a baby. When he didn't want a baby, but I mean, he obviously did his thing with you, and then he tells you, "Hey, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a dad." I'm pretty sure that wasn't the first time y'all had discussed that, you know. So it's kind of like a y'all get mad at him if the baby is born and he's not in the dad and he's not in the baby's life, but after he expressed he didn't want to be a dad yet, and you went and had the abortion, he didn't hold a gun to your head until you had an abortion, have an abortion, you. You want to have the abortion on you, basically on your own free will, because a man pretty much has no say whether they have the baby or not. So now, y'all are mad at Justin Timberlake for having the abortion and not having the kid. So had the kid been born and he had already expressed to her, "Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to be a dad yet," this and that, y'all have been mad at him for not being in the kid's life after he explained everything. So what exactly do y'all want? Because this is all, this is as much on her as it is on him, and this is the point I'm trying to make. You laid there, fuck this, this is not a kid's show. You laid there, let him bust a nut in you, got pregnant, and got mad when he said he didn't want to be a he didn't want to be a father. And that is well within your rights. But all these people on Facebook talking about 
justice for Britney because of what Justin did. Get the fuck out of here. Get Remember, out. we live in a world where accountability is not a thing when it comes to one gender versus another. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. You're not going to sit there and make a fuss talking about justice for somebody when it takes two to tango. It takes two to make a baby. You didn't go to the doctor and get artificially inseminated, none of that kind of shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Y'all probably had y'all a nice little fun drunken love night, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, he busted down, you know, or, you know, or, you know, you you put it on him, however you want to phrase it. And you ended up pregnant and he didn't want the kid at the time. I mean, you decided, all right, he don't want the kid, then I need to, you know, I need to go terminate. I mean, you could have kept the kid. Because if you go down the timeline, you you had children with with Kevin Federline and some other things that happened down the line. Like you know these these things happen. I mean, granted, that's, you also lost custody of those children too, but that's best rapper of all time. But like I don't know, the way I feel about it is like kind of like what DJ Michael B said. If you didn't take all the necessary precautions, like from both sides, male and female, because you know you can't just be out there recklessly just you know as we say raw dogging it. You can't be doing that. Because you know how science works. It only takes one strong-ass swimmer to get up in that thing. And one. clearly, one of, them, one of them things said, hey, man, you ain't finna cry me no river. I'm finna go get it in. So that's what happened. <clears throat> but anywho, I really don't want to talk about Jada Pinkett. But yeah, I that's why like I just... I feel like we have to. Oh, before... Well, I got one more thing on the Britney Spears thing, too. Go for it. As as far as her mental health goes, the other the other thing that she was saying, which which I feel on this one, she was 15 when she when she burst on the scene with uh what's the song? Hit me baby one more time, and she said she was going out and having grown men hit on her and stuff like that everywhere she went. So I do, I do get that part of it. Part of you just wanted to be yeah. a regular teenager, so you feel like you missed out on your childhood and things like that. So I get that part. Michael Jackson was the same. I do get that part. You know. So I feel on that one. But this thing that Justin Timberlake destroyed your self-esteem, he chased you, he got you, y'all had sex, you had an abortion, y'all stayed together for a while after that, then y'all broke up, and then you, now you say you had, you, you blamed it on him. I mean, that's not your stuff point. You know what I'm saying? So for those of you that watch All American, you get the stuff point reference. Thanks. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's a, it's it's one jumble of story. I'm pretty sure we'll talk about this more and more as more stuff from her book comes out. But I mean, you can't blame that, Justin. It was your decision to have the abortion. I mean, of course he has some say. He could have some say in it. But I mean, ultimately, it's like mm -hmm. a ninety-five percent, five percent thing. A judge can't order you to have an abortion because the dad doesn't want to be a dad. So. Hey, okay. Jada Pinkett. Oh, my God. Go All right. All right. Here we go. So as you know, she just recently had a, a, a memoir, an autobiography, whatever the fuck you want to call it. All right. So we'll call it a memoir because it details, you know, her much her much maligned marriage to, um, you know, to one of my idols and Will Smith. And the fact that it's revealed that they've been separated for seven years, which means when the Oscar whole debacle went down. They actually were separated. They weren't even together in theory, per se. Um, 
you know, she she's done all these countless interviews, talks about it's a weight off of her shoulders because now that she's revealing to the world that she's been separated. It all makes sense now. It all makes sense now. All these videos that we've seen the last couple of years, like when like when Will put together this this dope ass little birthday thing for her and she acted like the fucking world ended, like all this shit like that. This woman is a true narcissist. Yeah. Like she is a narcissist on a on a whole new level. Like she might be the same way we talk about the final boss of the light skin, she might be the final boss of the narcissist when it comes to women. Like this shit is unbelievable to me. Because and I can't even sit there and say like what possessed you because the way narcissists think nothing that they do is wrong. So I can't even ask that question because it's the wrong fucking question. But I'm sitting there looking like this. I'm I'm reading some of these quotes. I'm going to directly quote some of the things that she said. Um, so she she wasn't sure about writing this book. And she said she she the only time she actually reconsidered it was after the Oscars. She's like, I can't write a book about that piece. Whatever. She admitted that she felt like the scapegoat for the actions of her separated spouse. And I'm like, all right, so there you go again, playing this blame game. And I'm like, all right, let's start with that. You're, you're saying that your your husband, but well, I guess he's still your husband because y'all aren't divorced yet. You felt like you were the scapegoat for his actions in defending you as his wife. In what universe stratosphere is that considered wrong? Because here's my thing. Let's just play the inverse of this whole situation, right? Let's say Will never goes up on stage and puts his hands on Chris Chris Rock, right? What are the what in the world are all the social media groups and everything saying the following day? Why didn't Will Smith defend his wife? And he gonna get drugged through the mud. So he in, he was in a lose lose situation. Like and well, no, it was a it was a win lose. He could have won if they would have took care of it backstage. I think it would have been a different scenario had it been taken care of backstage. But in the heat of the moment and the way that he felt as if, you know, two things happened. His his wife was embarrassed and he was embarrassed. It's on national TV. And, you know, I don't know the story behind why Jada Pinkett went, you know, smooth, smooth, smooth as a baby's ass on top of the head. But the um the G.I. Jane references and everything else was kind of it was kind of like, ah. I ain't gonna, that's kind of rough. Those guys kind of a low blow. Like it really was. Like, like the more I, you go back and look, you're like, that was kind of fucked up. Like comedian. I don't enough, think so. I don't think so. Given the way that 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 was set up, right? This wasn't a this wasn't a um a normal. If this was, if this was a comedy show, it'd be one thing. This wasn't a comedy show. This was an award show. And yes, there are jokes that happen and you know things that happen. But at one point, it went from him being regular to he. You know, what I'm saying it was like a pinpoint. She was targeted in a sense. I'm not defending anything that happened. I'm just calling it as I remember it now. All right. So back to quoting this thing. She says, you know, we love each other. We're figuring out as we speak what that looks like for us. But there's no being separated. There's no we're going to get divorced. I'm not I'm not giving up on that dude and he's not giving up on me. So let's just stop and let's get to this deep healing and figure this out. So they're separated, but they're not going to get divorced, apparently. Okay. 
<sighs> right there, holding on can do a lot more damage than just going your separate ways. Yeah. <clears throat> just taking it step by step as we're going through our pitfalls, like. Of course, she talks about in this book, she talks about her, her friendship with, with Pac, and there's always a deep love between the two, but she says that they never had a romantic feelings towards each other. You know, they met up in high school, and they would grow up to obviously be famous and everything in Hollywood, and you're like, all right, make, up, make whatever notions about that whole snitch situation that if you want. I don't know. Sounds like to me they had a situationship as if the situation would have been better, they would have been together. Was it a situationship or was it an entanglement? That is a very good point. I think we have finally found the definition of an entanglement. It is a situationship. So, oh, man. So I wish I could tell you I was done, but I'm not done. There's one there's one last piece of this that I want to get to because it's like, so she's, first of all, she's 52. And, you know, of course, black don't crack. So she still looks, you know, phenomenal being 52. She says she does not suffer from any depression or suicidal thoughts anymore. So at a point in time, she was going down a, a dark spiral. Um, she credits Aaron Rodgers' favorite drug, that ayahuasca, for her healing. And says that she's learned to keep a positive mindset, a daily routine, does meditation, prayers. So she basically has tapped into her spirituality. Um, she's also about to launch a 13-city, hour-worthy journey book tour going to London, Abu Dhabi, and Dubai. So yeah, all that's happening. So your thoughts on all this fun stuff? Um, I mean... I'm one of those people that just don't get in, get into people relationships. Like, if you come like, man, this, this, and this going on, but like, brother, I tell you, if I've been in a situation, I tell you what happened to me in a situation. Take it how you want it, you know. So, so but um, I mean, maybe they're both two people that just don't believe in getting divorced once you get married. I mean, like, there are people like that. They'll sleep on opposite sides of their house houses forever, you know. So, um. I mean, you do if you look at how old they are. So put an idea of their parents and what generation their parents are from. There wasn't no divorce back in those days. Facts. In the in the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and parts of the nineties, mm. divorce wasn't really wasn't really a thing like that. Like it really got rocking and rolling mid nineties, two thousands, and now now divorce happened. So look. J-Lo can write a book on all her divorces at this point. I think it became more popular once women entered more and more into the workforce. Like, I can take yeah. care of myself. I don't have to put up with the nonsense. Um, and it's funny that you say that because now now look at things. And and it's like, I think the power is shifting. Mm-hmm. I think it's shifting back to, to the men in this situation because a lot more men are like, you know what? I'm not getting married. Because what's the point of me building my life, getting, you know, creating generational wealth, whatever the case might be, getting married and then losing half when you contributed zero before we, you know, you were, you weren't there during the struggles and anything else like that. We got together, like, and you and I have talked about this on a previous show, 
And it's very simple. Like, you know, and that's why I'm like, you know, I, I have no problem with with prenups, especially if the language is similar to like it was with uh, with with uh, Jeezy and his soon to be ex-wife. You know, it's like, hey, listen, whatever, you know, debt and income that we generate together, that's one thing. 100 percent can be separated, divided, however you want to look at it. But what we came into this thing with separately. Now, nah, that's that's ours. Like, that's got to We got to keep it that way. I don't see an issue with that. If I'm being completely honest, I just don't. Because that's literally the equivalent of taking somebody's hard-earned work and just taking it from them. I tell you, I've been on—I've been an advocate of saying this like the past two weeks as I sit back. You know what? If it gets to the point where y'all have been together that long and y'all have built some kind of wealth or whatever, of course you take whatever you bring into. But I feel like. The one way it would it would it would only settle everybody being okay is take twenty five and twenty five and give the other fifty percent to whatever offsprings you have. Take the other fifty percent and divide it between the kids, because nobody's gonna be like, oh no, I'm not doing that for my kid. I mean, at this point, because this is it's ridiculous. But speaking specifically to to Jada, it's kind of the same thing with Britney Spears here, like. You had money, you had access to a therapist and all this other kind of stuff. But you know what you decided to do? You decided to play therapy with your mom and your daughter for the whole damn world to see. With that damn red table talk. That's what it is. You decided to do that. When you opened up with that damn red table talk, all of a sudden your life started spiraling. All of a sudden we're hearing all this nonsense. Now you're seeing people online coming for you. You thought a lot of women would have had your back and a lot of women saying you weren't shit. All the men, for damn sure, were saying pretty much you ain't shit. Oh, so yeah. Here's, well, here's where it goes. That that whole Oscars moment was a buildup and a combination of everything from Jada, uh, from, from Jada doing the Red Table talk. I mean, I, let's, let's be, that's why Chris Rock really took the dig at her. Let's be serious here. You're putting all your business out, this and that, so I'm going to take a shot at you. I didn't think it was I didn't think it crossed the line until I found out she had alopecia. Then I was like, okay, if Chris Rock knew she had alopecia, that kind of crosses that that not kind that really crosses the line because she might really feel a certain kind of way about it. Well, but yeah, I, and I mean, I didn't, and if you and if you that. are suffering from something like that, I mean, yeah, self consciously, I don't give for who you are. That that can that can fuck with you. Yeah, you no, know, that's like just like if you had um. You know, we see commercials nowadays, like, you know, saying if you got like plaque psoriasis and that shit all over your neck and all this other shit. And you, you know, you basically wearing sweaters because you trying to walk around like this. Like, you know, of course, if somebody take a slight, you know, dig at you, you're going to take it a little differently. Like, and I know we talk about all the time, you know, having thick skin, but there's a time and a place. That's that's not something I'm going to have thick skin, but I ain't even lie to you. I might I might try to knock your shit off if I'm, you know, got some shit like that going on and you taking a shot at me like that shit. You know. But, and you know, uh, most people that have have alopecia. They don't go completely bald. I don't know if she went completely. She didn't go completely bald and then she shaved. But a lot of them also don't grow here in other places. True. So, so it all depends. Yeah. Like you, I so mean, you kind of be like, I think we talked about it with, uh, with Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Yeah, he don't grow out. He didn't grow eyebrows. That shit's a tattoo. So I'm yep. like, like, dang, that's crazy. But Charlie Villanueva was the same way. Yeah. The basketball player. Yeah. So I mean, sure right. I mean, like, if, if, if it was just like a. Cause you know a lot of the people that do the Oscars don't write their own jokes, but I yeah. I feel I feel like Chris Rock. I feel, I, hey, yeah. I, I mean I mean 
look, I'm not on the receiving end of it, but I also didn't think it was that bad because when I heard it, I was like, I said, oh, I, I chuckled a little bit. I was like, yeah, but G.I. Jane really is a badass. You know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, I think but we she, know, I mean, but the last time we saw Jada in a something like that was in the Matrix. Yeah. It was a long and ass of time. Course, then, of course, the couple of the years before Chris Rock, <laughs> Chris Rock said the whole thing about Rihanna, Rihanna's panties and Jada Pinkett. So, man, that was some built up aggression. So, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. First, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, don't, I really don't. I really don't care if she still needs help. I hope she gets the help she needs. Yeah, you know, you know and, and I, you know, and I hope that it doesn't, you know, affect, you know, their their family collectively. I mean, I'm, um, excuse me. Something that my wife had even said was like, you know, I feel I feel more for the kids in this situation than anything else. Because what do they now? Granted, at least in their defense, at least they're all adults. So it's not like at least they're not like in school and having to deal with this shit. Like if they was yep. in high school, because you know how kids is. Boy, kids are assholes. Yeah, I seen your mom on TikTok doing all like, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, but at least they're adults, so they can be like, you know, I'm just gonna stay in the house today. <laughs> I'm not even trying to come about this motherfucker today. Like, but I mean, the kids haven't even come out and really said much, which I guess is a right now is a good thing. But we'll see what happens later. Um, quick update on the Astros and Rangers game: the Astros are up four to zero at the top of the fourth. So there you go. Maybe the Astros will have some life after all. Young melanated, young and melanated. So shout shout out shoebox, love it. So let's hit us with a pivot and staying on this baseball thing here. I want to talk about this story because when the story broke, this is where the title of the show came from. What I said, we have to do better, and of course, you saw the thumbnail with all the dumbasses. This whole show is revolving around dumbasses. The dumbasses in this scenario are the owners of the Miami Marlins. Oh, yeah, you own Front Street next. So, as you guys know, if you don't watch baseball, it's okay. I'm here for you. I'm going to educate you. So, Kim is her name. Her name is Kim. She was the first female general manager in baseball. That's a big deal. She's been there since right around COVID, like 2020. Mm -hmm. So, she had three years. She is the reason that that Miami Marlins team went to the playoffs. She put that playoff roster together, made some massive key trades, did all these things. Phenomenal things. Here we go. You got to excuse me and my my, my, my my daughter doing her daughter things. Okay, we're going we're gonna to turn the YouTube shorts off, fam. Here, here you go. <laughs> Can you take that, please? Here, um, Daddy's trying to do a live stream, baby. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to set that right there. All right. Anyway, so she actually stepped down. So they offered her, she, they, the team took the, the team took the, I guess, team option in her contract and she declined because they tried to hire a, a person above her, basically a president of baseball operations type of thing above her. So the issue with that is, let me read the statement from the Marlins first. And it will say the Miami Marlins announced today that they, um, Kim Ng will not be returning as the club's general manager. Although the club exercised his team option for her to return for the 2024 season, <clears throat> Kim has declined her mutual option. We thank Kim for her contributions during her time with the organization and wish her and her family well. We will, of course, immediately begin a thorough and extensive search for new leadership as we plan to continue to invest in the Marlins organization, both on and off the field. 
We're committed to our fans on the South Florida community, and we look to build off that momentum. All right, that was a statement from them. So the Marlins went 84 and 74 this past season, grabbing the National League second wild card spot before, of course, the Phillies put it on them because the Phillies just kind of been doing that this year. So basically what happened is last week there was a discussion between the Miami Marlins and Kim. Um, and you know, they, they discussed the plan to reshape the base the baseball operations department. In the discussions, they were not on the same sheet of music because they wanted to hire someone above. Kim. Kim had done all this work, done all the right things, put all the pieces in place, and they tried to literally put somebody over her all of a sudden. And I mean, every type of owner, everybody came out and were like, the Marlins fumbled the bag. The Marlins fumbled the bag. And so, and I'm going to read into it. So, of course, you know, Derek Jeter was a part of this organization as well, but then, you know, he, of course, you know, he left. But, um, before Monday, um, Ning Kim was the, the MLB's highest ranking woman in baseball operations and the first woman uh, in any North American major sports league to hold such a position. So she signed their DH in George Solar last year, which was a big deal. Second baseman, Larissa Riz, um, Jesus Lazardo, George Base, um, third baseman, Jake Berger, and relief pitcher Tanner Scott and AJ Poop all were key contributors to. The Marlins' success this past season all had Kim's fingerprints all over it. Um, they also brought in first baseman uh, Josh Bell, who had 11 home runs in 53 games after he's picked up as a trade deadline move. So the manager was also brought in, uh, Skip. They had a great relationship, Skip and Kim, phenomenal, which is weird saying that. but um, So that was a big deal, and she's not she's not – she's still open to doing what she's been doing, but obviously not with the Marlins. And I'm going to tell you right now, Make sure y'all pay attention. There is a particular organization slash franchise that has an opening right now in the same exact position that she previously held. It is my motherfucking Boston Red Sox. I knew it was going to get there eventually. <sighs> hey, man, I already told y'all we had a shitty-ass season this past season and last season for that matter. We need some retooling. A little life will go a long way. Um, oh, shit, Astro scored again. All right, it's 5-0. to zero. They beating the brakes off of these Rangers. So there is a battle of Texas going on right now. Dallas versus Houston. It sounds weird saying it that way. Um, but that's kind of what's happening. But what are your um what are your thoughts on this this sudden departure based on the fuckery that went down? Well, it's it's actually quite simple and can be summed up in basically what you said. The Marlins fumble the bag. Um clearly this woman knows what she's doing. She understands how to build a team. I would like to know what her what her process is. Does she rely on analytics? Does she rely on what her eyes tell her or what? Because she obviously has an eye for talent. Um, I think the rest of the MLB, with any openings, should obviously interview her and hear what she has to say and probably throw a bag her way. Agreed. It wouldn't surprise me if Boston was the was the organization to do so. Um, Boston has to do some retooling, not a complete rebuild. When she when she took over the Marlins, it was kind of the same situation. Like the Marlins had established plays, but they didn't have the depth. She brought she brought in a lot yep. of depth, a lot of key pieces. Um, I'm actually uh, I'm very disappointed in the Marlins for this. What I can say is, 
The Spurs would never. Are you freaking kidding me? The Spurs would never. What do you got? I don't know what the hell Miami is doing. Like, this is this is just another uh, another owner just caught in his good old boy club ways. Like, it's yeah. stupid. It, it's really it's really stupid. Like, I'm 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 kind of at a loss for words because it's she made y'all what you are now. Yeah, you would think you would think a person trending in the right direction. You would pay them for what they have done and what they're projected to do. Mm-hmm. Because anybody else, you would have paid them for what they've done and what they're projected to do. Exactly. I mean, who knows? A lot of these players could have a good relationship with them and be like, as soon as my contract is up, I'm out of here. Facts. Season, season might start next year. I want to get traded. I mean, it, it's, it's really ridiculous. But, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, that's how sports work, and that's how business works, and that's bullshit. Business don't work that way if you're trending up, and you definitely didn't reach the, as far as you could with her yet because you don't know what the peak is working with her yet. No, you, but you know you made the playoff this past. You know you made you secured that second wild card slot, which you know, you know in baseball it is hard to make the playoffs because there's yes the least amount of teams that make it in any professional sports. So to make it in that second wild card slot is a big deal. Granted, even if it was the expense of getting swept by by the Phillies, but it is what it is. You made it. You That's had a really good projection above five hundred. Um, and there's quite a few teams who were not over five hundred. Yep. So, pivoting a little bit into some minor UFC, minor-ish UFC stuff. Um, you're familiar with the incident that went down during the NBA Finals involving Conor McGregor and the alleged allegations that he was accused of raping a woman. Yes. So he will not face criminal charges after that allegation, which those who kept up with the story, it was pretty apparent that he was never going to face charges because it was essentially false accusations. Which we're not going to get into the why that pisses me off in so many different ways because it just but here we go. We just had a whole segment on that. We did. And we all saw the video, too, when the woman said, you know, he forced me into the bathroom and this, that and the third. We saw all the cell phone videos where. He wasn't even close enough to her to grab her and pull her into said bathroom. But anyway, let me read the the article. The the initial findings said that McGregor forced a woman into the men's restroom while at the game and sexually assaulted her. However, it had been revealed that criminal charges against McGregor had been dropped as there was insufficient evidence and contradicting stories that ultimately made it impossible to truly charge Conor McGregor in this case. So, yeah. Here we go again. Yeah, that's that's the best way to say it is here we go again. Like, I don't know another way of saying it, but that. But um Yeah, any um any any thoughts, feelings on that particular um I mean thing? from the from the get-go, I didn't think Conor McGregor did it. I mean, because you're at you're at an NBA finals game and there would be Hundreds of thousands of people around to see this happen. I mean, not to mention, if you've ever in your life been to a professional sports game, them bathrooms always packed. Them bitches ain't never empty. You're not gonna be able to rape nobody in in, in a and you you literally have to wait two three hours after the game is over and it's pretty much players packing up their stuff. And that's the thing, even after two or three hours, they're still cleaning. Yep. So it's like. 
it's entirely too crowded. You're talking literal thousands of people. There's normally a line to go to the bathroom. So I, what you thought he was going to drag this woman to the bathroom, skip the line and say, all right, everybody stay out for the next X amount of time. Like make all that shit make sense because it don't at all. Yeah, this was this was a from the time. this. That's why I didn't even give it the light of day from the time it came out. I was like, he's innocent. Yeah. Had it been like uh, we were both at the hotel and he did it and this and that. Be like, OK, let's wait until some stuff comes out. But. At, at the arena, you got it. You have lost your mind to say that happened at the arena. Nobody believed that. False accusations. How much do you get if you rape somebody? You, if that happens, that person that did false accusations deserves to get seventy five percent of the time, literally, unless it yeah. becomes an out court settlement. Like it oh, literally 1, should be, should be seventy five. You you have to serve seventy five percent of the time. I don't care if I it's agree. on probation. We've I don't care if it's bail. That, that's it. You can't you can't call the cops for no other reason and falsely accuse anybody without getting in trouble for it. But time and time again with these rape cases, false race cases, cases, nothing happens to these women. And yeah. when the shit actually does happen to the women now, you make all of all the women that it actually happens to look like liars when it happens. Because more and more this stuff is starting to come out with celebrities. And the more and more it comes out with false accusations, the less and less people are going to believe people when they say they got raped or sexually assaulted by said celebrity. It's a double-edged sword. Because you've got all these false accusations, it makes those actual accusations harder to believe. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that it happens that way. But um, I mean, all right. we all know the story about the little girl that cried wolf. You know, like this is. It's funny this how that too. plays such a massive role in our lives, right? This Me Too movement has been absolutely amazing. It's been, it's been shit on. And ridiculous. Because so, it, there's a part of it where the Me Too movement was absolutely phenomenal. It put a lot of awareness out there, helped a lot of women, you know, and men for that matter, get the help they needed and things of that sort. But then there is the other side of this spectrum where people have taken 100% complete advantage of it to try to gain something like the Trevor Bauer thing that we already talked about. Like people like that, that are ruining something that is that's this serious. How can you make something this serious into a joke because you want to make some money off of it? That part. So. I, I, I hate people like this and I don't use the word hate a lot. But I hate people like this. I have I really, a strong really dislike do. for these people. I'll try not to use the word hate, but it's okay. I wanted to get that kind of – don't want to line up those stories accordingly because, you know, that's where the show was kind of serious and everyone like that. But it's time for us to do our favorite thing, and that is talk about the – All right, ladies so hard. and gentlemen, we have got ourselves a new dumbass millionaires. And it's funny because never have I ever thought that this would happen. But we have our first NIL recipient, dumbass millionaire. Oh, yeah. And by the way, spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, 
we will be discussing this on Inside the Huddle on Friday. And, of course, your boy, Mr. GQ, will be all up in the ramp. But it couldn't wait until Friday. So, Caleb Williams, make your way to the front of the room, my boy. Oh, Mr. I want to paint Utah on my nails and get my ass whooped in the Pac-12 by Utah twice over. All right. So I don't know if you're familiar with this story or not, DJ Michael B., but allow me to I definitely you. am. So Caleb Williams decides, because he's supposed to be the, quote-unquote, the number one pick, if he decides to declare, and now there's this, oh, I can make more money, you know, NIL money if I just come back to school, and is that in the third? Cool. All that is normal. I don't even care that he said half of that shit. It's the next thing that he fucking said that fucked me up. Because he said this, and this shit was crazy. He said the team that drafts him in the 2024 draft, if he declares for the draft, he wants partial ownership of the team. Me, <coughs> excuse me. Let me read that one more time. Just, just one more time. I want partial ownership of the team that selects me in the 2024 draft if I declare for the draft. All right. So. So here we go. The comparison comes down to what Aaron Rodgers tried to do when he moved over to the Jets to get some ownership stake like that. Obviously, it was shot down by the NFL because current players cannot partake in any type of ownership of inside the sport that they're playing for obvious reasons because they just don't want to go down a road like that. So henceforth, also why all of a sudden once Tom Brady retired, now he has partial ownership in the Vegas Raiders. Kind of how that works. Here's what I want to get to. Caleb Williams, who the fuck are you? Let's just start with that. Who the fuck are you to be like, I'm such a generational talent that I deserve when I get drafted to have partial ownership in whatever team drafts me. So if for the sake of this discussion, Chicago Bears were to draft him at number one or number two because they're probably going to, as it currently stands, they have the first two picks in this upcoming draft for those who have not been paying attention. Thanks to Carolina doing this, the Bears are currently standing at the first and second picks. Actually, no, first and third because Denver is now in the number two pick slot. But either way, you have the two, you have two of the first four picks in the draft. And let's just say you draft Caleb Williams. All of a sudden there's like, you know, I want partial ownership of the team. As the owner of a, of a team, my first question would be exactly what I just said. Caleb Williams, who the fuck are you? <laughs> In what world does it make a lick of sense for me to offer a current player partial ownership when you ain't set foot on an NFL field, when you ain't played one snap in an NFL game, you ain't played one snap in an NFL playoff game, you ain't set foot and played a single snap in a single Super Bowl. But you want partial ownership in the team? What if I'm a bust? What if Caleb Williams is a bust? Now this man going to have wealth for life because he got partial ownership of an NFL team because they drafted him. And I'm like, mm, nah, fam. No. Like, I don't even care that he's going to go possibly number one overall, however that shit's going to – we'll talk about draft shit when draft shit comes up. I'm literally concerned because he is that – what's the word? Were you pretentious? Bold. Bold is not the right word. 
<laughs> There's a worse word out there, and bold ain't it. This man got a lot of gall. Gall, that's it. To ask for something like this. You got big cojones, man. Big cojones. And this man ain't played a single meaningful NFL snap yet. Not even preseason, bro. And now there's this thing where he may talk about he may not even go to the draft at all. Like he may just finish out college and then just basically have freedom to play with whoever he wants to play with. And he he even he even pulled some some Aaron Rodgers type shit and had a list of teams, include like the Vikings and the, the Cowboys and I think like the Raiders and shit like that. I was like, okay. Again, let me ask this question. Caleb Williams, who are you? Because we talked about this. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna pull this up because I'd rather it be, you know, I, we, we had a very we had a long mm. discussion about this on inside the huddle. Here we go. So because it was just it, it just made way too much sense. Like when we talked about it, like we were just mind blown. So DJ Mike, I'm gonna ask you a question. It's a very important question. Because you'll right. you might know the answer. I know you watch enough college football. Yeah. So of the last three, six, nine, and eleven, twelve. Let's just say going back to 2010, since Cam Newton won the, the Heisman. Okay. Who would you say has been the most successful Heisman winner in the NFL since 2010? Hmm. I'll even add some flair to this for you. I'll read these names off because in 2010, we had Cam Newton. 2011, you had RG3. 2012, you had Johnny Manziel. 2013, you had Jameis Winston. 2014, you had Marcus Mariota. 2015, you had Derrick Henry. 2016, you had Lamar Jackson. 2017, Baker Mayfield. 2018, Kyler Murray. 2019, Joe Burrow. 2020, Devontae Smith. 2021, Bryce Young, and 2022, Caleb Williams. Um, uh, can I just rattle off the three, I think, because it's kind of hard just to pick one. Not so Derrick Henry has had, had a lot of success, but he hasn't made it to the Super Bowl. No fault of his. But he has been the leading rusher now and has been carrying whatever is left of the Tennessee Titans on his back. Um. Cam Newton and Joe Burrow obviously both have been to the Super Bowl. And Cam Newton has an MVP and a Super Bowl appearance. So, I mean, as it stands right now, I would probably say Cam Newton just off the strength that he has an MVP. He has a Super Bowl appearance. He has a 15-1 season. At one point, he did own the uh, record for the most rushing touchdowns by an NFL quarterback. Um, until until this guy named Lamar, who's also on this until, list, take it from Yeah. I tell him, oh, Lamar, I also won an MVP. Shit. So, look, you remember I, I posted about this in the group. The The point is there's four there's four people out of the past, what was that, you said 10, 11 years? Yeah. Oh, no, because we went back to 2010, so that's 12 2010 years. 2010 to 2022, so that's 12 years. 12 years, and thank you, sir. 12 years. The, the fact of the matter is, Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks don't age well in the NFL for the most part. Now, yes, Cam Newton being an anomaly, yeah. uh, Lamar Jackson being an anomaly, and Joe Burrow being an anomaly. I understand that. But, so I mean. Of all of those names that we listed, seven of them are still currently playing in the NFL. 
I'm I'm not including Devontae Smith and Bryce Young because they're still young. They're in their rookie contract still. But Joe Burrow, yeah, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry, Jameis Winston, all still playing in the NFL. All starters on top of yep. that. Which is crazy, right? But Caleb Williams wants partial ownership. And I'm like, bro. I don't think Caleb Williams is better than any of the NFL players still playing right now. It's no, it, it blows my mind, too, because you look at even on, a, on a, a guy like Colin Cowherd already has like Caleb Williams in his hierarchy of quarterbacks. And I'm like, how? How can you put a college quarterback now? There go that Russell Westbrook shit. Like, my thing is like this. I don't want to compare college players to current NFL players like that because the skill level is different. The cop, sorry, not the skill level. I apologize. The competition level is different. Yes, it is. Because a couple of players who came from college got humbled in the NFL real quick. Speaking of Heisman winners, let's talk about 2007. His name was Timothy Tebow. I'm not done. 2006. Troy Reggie Smith. Bush. Oh, it's Troy Smith. Troy Smith. My bad. Humbled in the NFL. 2008. Sam Bradford. Humbled in the NFL. Uh, you know, you know what's crazy? Sam Bradford actually had the 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 skill to do it. He, he just did. couldn't say he couldn't he say got, injured. He got Jeff Fisher. Stop playing. Just like Vince Young, he got Jeff Fisher. Um, 2011. RG3. Unfortunately, got humbled via injury. Because he tried to do the same things he was doing in college, and unfortunately, a freak injury happened. Johnny Manziel, humbled. <laughs> Jameis Winston, 30 for 30, humbled. Before, wait, wait, before we go any further past Johnny Manziel, can we publicly declare that, uh, uh was, uh, oh man, is it Mel Kuyper? I can't remember the guy. What is that guy's name? That said Johnny Manziel had bus reused. Like Johnny Manziel had bus oh, yeah, yeah. written all over him. Yeah. I cannot think of his name, but he hit the nail on the about. head. Yeah. It'll come to me. But Marcus Mariota humbled. Also threw a touchdown to himself in a playoff game off a of bounce off somebody's helmet. I forgot about that. Um, Derrick Henry has not been humbled. He humbled the NFL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crown on. Lamar Jackson had a humbling first rookie season and then had to, you know, had to cut his teeth. But then, you know, figured it out. Um, Baker Mayfield humbled. And then look at him now. He's on his fourth NFL team. Mind you, he's drafted in. some good ball, though. I will give him that. He is. But Merrill Hodge. And you're not wrong, but listen. Baker Mayfield was drafted in 2017. We are in 2023, and he's on his fourth NFL team, and he was a first-round pick. Hey, man. Listen. Listen. Listen real quick. What did I tell you about them 11 games? What did I tell you about them 11 games? I skipped Baylor. He was was the top five pick. I don't give a damn. Humbled with, yep. with, with capital letters. 2018, Kyler Murray. Humbled. Still being humbled. Fucking toddler wants to play Call of Duty as opposed to playing NFL football. Humbled. Arizona Kyler Cardinals. Is going to find his way out the contract. Humbled. Uh, Joe Burrow, not necessarily humbled. Joe Burrow came into the league and said, all right, I'm a baller like I did at LSU. Went to the Super, Super Bowl. Unfortunately, ran into the buzzsaw that was the LA Rams. Um, Devontae Smith, he's doing just fine. He's got a yeah. great, he's got a great teammate on the other side, AJ Brown. He's got a solid quarterback, a former Alabama quarterback. Bryce Young, humbled. <laughs> <laughs> his team we hasn't can, won we, a game we, yet. Humbled. I thought Carolina won this past weekend. They lost. Yeah, they played Miami. 
Oh, so you're right. So you're right. He just he he just had an okay game in fantasy. That's what it was. Yeah. So again, what is Caleb Williams gonna do that none of these guys that we just rattled off are gonna do? Like that that have already done. I don't know. And I mean, bruh, I, I mean, just this list just gets ridiculous as you go further and further back. Oh, it does. I, mean, I know. Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Jason White. Carson Palmer. I give Carson Palmer a pass, though. Carson Palmer did have a pretty good career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, no, he I, had a, he, he, I wouldn't say he, he was in the same boat as like your RG3s and stuff. He was humbled via injury. I will say, uh, Colin Cowherd said something <sighs> a couple of years ago that I actually did agree with. And his assessment was Carson Palmer is a Hall of Fame if he gets drafted by a different team. Like if he ended up with the Patriots, I think he would have ended up being a Hall of Famer because I, I just believe Carson Palmer really did have the skill set. He did. But and I mean, it's not like he was all he wasn't all of his teams weren't bad. Yeah. So I mean, like every every 10 years, you get about five players that are good in the NFL, good to great, and then you get the other five. There's not really like a gray area. Either you're good in the NFL or you're trash in the NFL. Um, I guess your only gray area would be probably Reggie Bush, where he wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. He was pretty he good. He also was humbled on the field. Oh, yeah, well, he got he got smashed, absolutely smashed. That 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 was a welcome to the NFL humbling smash. But I mean, uh I mean there's 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 a lot of players on this list that would have took Reggie Bush's career. Over their own. Yeah. It's just every time I think about Reggie Bush, I just think, here comes the. But go, going back to the original. <laughs> oh, my God. Going back to the original point here. This dude got some. some Bruh. There has never been a sure thing coming out of college and football. Everybody swore up and down. Ryan Leaf would be the second coming of Jesus. And he was drafted that number out? one. And it worked out bad because they took Ryan Leaf and they should have took Peyton Manning. It's like this is this is nobody took Tom Brady until Bill Belichick took him. How did that work out for Bill and the Patriots? How did it work he out? For, how did it work out for uh, how did it work out for Tim Couch? It, oh my God, I forgot all about Tim Couch. Oh, I did. But look, at the same time, Peyton Manning as a rookie humbled, multi interceptions. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you know, and it happens. You know, like you got to cut your teeth. Like I think. I think the question that, that we should be asking here um, is instead of how many Heisman winners actually become good players, how many Heisman winners actually become Hall of Famers? Because that's the people you'd like to have in ownership back in your team when they become a Hall of Famer for that team. So let's yep. run down this list. Uh, I guess we can go back to – let's start with 2005 because Reggie Bush is retired now. Uh, I guess we can say Mark Ingram. Uh, Solid career, Sam yep. Bradford, Tim Tebow, Troy Smith, Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, Jason White, Carson Palmer, Eric Couch, Chris Wanky, Ron Dang, Ricky Williams. Ah, here we go all the way back in 97, Charles Woodson. Yep. Solid. I just went through 11 years. And you keep going back, uh, Rashawn Salam, Gino Toretta, Charlie Ward, Desmond Howard, Ty Detmer, Andre Ware, who I'm not oh. knocking. Andre Ware is pretty good. Um, I can't believe Eric you didn't Sanders. say Eddie George. Oh, my bad. I skipped over Eddie George on accident. I, I, I stopped at Charles Wilson and went down, went straight to the next one underneath him. Eddie George, we know. <laughs> you know? Devin Howard, Andre Ware. 
Barry Sanders. There you go again. There's another one. And yep. Tim Brown Vinny Chester Bernie, Bo Jackson, uh, Doug Flutie, Herschel Walker. But at one point, this Charles award White. went to. At one point, this award really went to uh, the best player in college football. Now but, it's just so a quarterback. A, here's a quarterback what's game. crazy. From 1972, no, excuse me, 73, all the way to 1983, there was a 10-year stretch of nothing but running backs. Which When it, when it was a, a big run-based game. But that should tell you a lot about the shifting in the game. Yep. Because you had John Calipetti, you had Archie Griffin back-to-back, Tony Dorsett, Earl Campbell, Billy Sims, Charles White, George Rogers, Marcus Allen, Herschel Walker, and then Mike Rozier, and then Doug Flutie broke that trend as the first non-running back after that 10-year run. But then Bo Jackson took it back, and then Testaverde said, nah, give me that back. And then a receiver, Tim Brown, just said, nah, let me get that. And then another running back. So it was like quarterback, running back, receiver. Only in college does a receiver and a running back have a chance at the, an award that's similar to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, of course, shout out to the – Voters for the Heisman for actually giving it to Devontae Smith, bro. Yeah, I, that was I, crazy. I, I didn't think he was going to get it. But Devontae Smith had a hell of a year, though, too. He did. That that's a that's that's a legendary college year. But yeah, but, so, so I don't I don't see Caleb Williams right now on a trajectory of a Hall of Fame NFL player. No. Could he could he become that? Of course he could. Tom Brady became that. Yeah, yeah, no, and that, and he, you're not wrong, but at the same time, he's being talked about as if he's done something in college that makes us turn our heads. And and this is another this this is another thing right here that we talked about before. This is the entitlement of this generation. They want shit given to them that they haven't deserved. This like, is why like, he's yeah, on dumbass like, millionaires. Yeah, like I don't have a problem with the NIL part of this whatsoever because that's literally that's millions and billionaires paying you, you know, sponsoring you, whatever. No Generational wealth. But when you start talking about stuff like ownership in the NFL and I'm like, hold on, my guy, you have had these loaded rosters at USC and you ain't even sniffed the college football playoff. You ain't been in the final four. <clears throat> I tell you what you should be doing. You should be asking USC, if you come back, can you be a prominent booster in their organization once you go on to the NFL? That's what you should be doing. You ain't stepped foot in the NFL. You ain't played on the NFL. So you don't even know what organization is going to draft you. But I can name a couple that ain't because they don't need a quarterback. I mean, yeah. the NFL doesn't have 32 great quarterbacks. So, yep. Update on the game. It is now 5-2. The Rangers have finally gotten on the board at the end of the fifth, going into the top of the sixth. So the Rangers have woken up just a little bit. That's insane. The Astros smashed them all during the regular season, bro. They had three consecutive games where they scored 10-plus points. Yep. So Caleb Williams, welcome to your Kodak moment, my dude. You have made an infamous wall. We have got another one. Don't you worry. Ladies and gentlemen, James Harden, bring your ass to the front of the line. Oh, my God. Because you, James Harden, you're killing me, dog. You're killing me. So you decide to skip practice. 
And then not only did you skip practice, my boy, you was in a whole other state. You down here in you down here in the H, bro. First of all, Philly and Houston ain't close. At not all. at all. At all. You can't take an Uber down here. You can't. You, I mean, you can drive. You shouldn't. It's a long ass drive. So you it took a, a flight. Drive. You know what I'm saying? But oh, hold on. What up, Tyrone? All right, what's good, man? You right so, on time. We talking about James. You had a meeting. So you had a meeting with Nick Nurse, and it sounded good and went good. But then all of a sudden, you was a no show at practice. Then comes to find out that your happy ass is down there in Houston, probably looking for your next strip of white. I heard on your best Zion Zion days. Um, so, and then not to mention, right? Yes, baby. Okay, sorry, y'all. My child wants to put her 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 helmet on. Here you go, baby. Yeah, so he's down here in Houston instead of being with his team. Matter of fact, I kind of want to induct the person that's not a millionaire into the dumbass Hall of Fame. And I, I hope she doesn't take this wrong. But can I bring our first lady to the front? Because there was this ridiculous ass post she put in the group a couple of weeks ago. And if you if you know who we're talking about, we're talking about no other than your host of PVC. You'll find out who that is later. Stick around because she will be on tomorrow. And I hope she responds. First of all, today she was like telling me this is not a good teammate pointing up stuff. She had a James Harden and Joel Embiid's back, which is kind of really suspect other than proving that he was a good teammate. Um. That was a bad pick. But just think back in the group a couple of weeks ago, whenever Troy asked her, is James Harden at training camp? Since he's such a good teammate. He's not. He didn't show up. Not in preseason. He's not showing up. And yet she said here and, and defends him being a good teammate. This and that. You're not a dumbass millionaire, but that's a dumbass statement. And you're not a dumbass. That's just a dumb statement. You had a you had a, a, a blank moment, Zai. So listen. And I said it in the group, and I'll I'll say it for the for the masses. I said the fact that Ben Simmons has put in more work in the offseason than James Harden is very telling. Because first of all, Ben Simmons has looked damn good in the preseason. And I ain't yep. gonna lie to you. I ain't got nothing bad to say about Ben Simmons. He was shooting the ball, he was distributing the ball, he was playing excellent defense. And listen, make sure y'all listen. I hope he has passed all of his mental health things that were going on. Because if that type of Ben Simmons can show up, it's gonna be a fun season for that Brooklyn team. I'm not saying they're going to make a big giant push into the playoffs like to go do some great things, but it'll just be nice to see that it'll be nice to see, you know, Ben Simmons finally kind of looking like some of that potential that we have been seeing when he was drafted. And now that he's gotten away from Philly. But back on this, like. So now that he didn't show up, what he did was he left. He, he left Nick Nurse in a very uncomfortable position because you know what happens when star players don't show up. Press conferences happen. When press conferences happen, people get put on the spot. When they get put on the spot, they're like, oh, shit, now I got to speak up for this motherfucker because he ain't here. So all Nick Nurse could say, very simple and perfect coach speak, by the way, if James Harden is here, we go. If he's not, we go. From the last discussions that I've had with him, it was a little bit of a surprise that he did not show. That's all he could really say because you kind of put him in a fucked off spot. So, and for some reason, despite the absence, um, you know, Coach Nurse still expects James Harden to play in um, Friday's preseason game against the Atlanta Hawks. Um, him and both his teammates in beat are supposed to make their debuts. I guess we'll see. We got it. James Harden, you've been frustrated because you want out because that's all you want to do is force your way out of places to try to get places to do whatever it is you're trying to do. But now the Sixers are trying to get – 
two first round picks and um the hell was that man? Terrence Mann. First of all, if I am the LA Clippers, you're not getting two first rounders and one of my young marquee players. You're not you're not getting it. I'm sorry. That's because thank you. Thank you, Tyrone. You the man. And most protected. I've said this for such a long time, and I stand by it because it's the truth. Like, I'm if I am an NBA organization, I'm not trading for him. I'm not mortgaging young players potentially and draft and high and high draft capital for a guy who probably will force try to force his way out after one year. Yep. 100%. Like, I just, I don't understand it. No player has been as fortunate as he has to play with the Rockets team that had a chance, legitimately had a chance to go to the finals. We all saw it. Then you go, you know, of course, OKC, you went to the finals. You know, you just unfortunately ran into the wrong team in the finals. It is what it is. But then you make your way to Brooklyn. I know that was a, I don't know what you want to call that situation, but um, I would sign him for Lynn. <laughs> You know what? Low key, Russ probably will be better for Philly than, than James Harden, but I'm gonna leave that right where it's at. Um, but you know, you found your way to Brooklyn. There was that whole debacle thing going on with, with Kyrie Irving and the unfortunate situation surrounding that, which wasn't 100 percent on him. Kevin Durant wasn't healthy, and then they both forced their way out, and James Harden was left on an island. <clears throat> All right, cool. You found your way to Philly. You play with arguably the best player you've been paired with outside of Kevin Durant in your higher entire career, and you finding a way to fumble that bag too. Oh no, nah, you're 100 right. No, ain't look. Everybody, every NBA team wants a guy like a guy with Russ's energy. Like that's one thing I'm gonna do. Russ, Russ gonna leave it all on the on the court, and we all know this. Unless LeBron is on the team. Unless LeBron is on the team. <laughs> but. I just didn't under, I just don't understand it. I don't know what's going on in the mind of him. Like you've been to all these organizations, you've had nothing but, you know, you've had chances to go to the playoffs, try to make a run, but you, sir, you, the player, have come up smaller than Jiminy Cricket in the biggest moments. But it's everybody else's fault but yours. You play with an MVP like James Harden and you I mean like James Harden, excuse me, Joel Embiid, and you still can't get over the hump. But a team like the Denver Nuggets with the Jamal Murray and a Jokic get all the way to the NBA Finals in a much more loaded Western Conference and win the Finals. Speaking of, I do have another person I want to add to Dumbass Millionaires. Not the best player, but best bet at the most important 100%. I do have one more person I want to add to Dumbass Millionaires. Oh, let's get it. And the first thing I am going to add to Dumbass Millionaires is whoever the hell reached out to the Clippers and thought they would get two first-round picks in Terrence Mann. Have you lost your damn mind? Yes. What? What? Come on, bro. You can't be this stupid. You can't. Beggars can't be choosers, bro. And right now, you're begging for a team to come take James Harden contract off your hands. If it's Daryl Morey, to hell with it. Daryl Morey's up there now. 
Matter of fact, just put the whole 676 of management up on there because this is dumb. Facts. You traded That's for him. You wanted him. It. You got him. You made him a promise. You broke the promise, and here we are. You done fucked up, A.A. Ron. So, now that we've taken care of that, and, of course, you know, that, that needed to be done. Uh, hold on. Tyrone in his bag today. You see, this is the this this is the Rudy Rudy Gobert effect. Hundred percent. That's the <laughs> best, perfect way to put that out there. Um, this is the Rudy Gobert effect. Oh my 100%. god. Hundred percent. So of course, because you know what we love to do more than just about anything else on this show, besides talk about our dumbass millionaires, have our crossovers and our real talks. It is have our recaps. So. Ladies and gentlemen, we got something for the producer for all these hot ass tracks man this is music just be, <laughs> music just be bumping it'd be like a club up in this thing man like but we got to get our recap in because boy oh boy oh boy monday and tuesday did not disappoint for wwe so let's get started with monday night raw so actually <clears throat> let's back up real quick backtrack to, to friday <laughs> let's go back to friday real quick yeah something, something major happened and i knew it was gonna happen we just didn't know when or how it was going to happen. Triple H finally said it's time to split him back up. And what do we mean by split him back up? He made Adam Pierce the general manager of Monday Night Raw, which means Much deserved. SmackDown needed a GM. So who do they bring in? None other than Mickey James's husband, for those who didn't already know that. I didn't Nick, know that. Wow. Nick Aldis, former Impact wrestler, big time star from the indie scene is now the general manager of SmackDown. Mm -hmm. Yes, like I said, the husband of Mickey James. So you're welcome. His first order of business, that motherfucker Dominic Mysterio says, comes in, interrupts, does all this bullshit, and just gets straight fucking roasted. I mean, flat out roasted. Deservedly so. Stay out of grown folk business, Dominic. That's all I'm going <laughs> to say about that. So that was a great way to close that out. Um, then we had the closeout moments because we, of course, had the return of the tribal chief, the head of the table, a.k.a. Roman Reigns. And, of course, L.A. Knight is making, continuing to make waves. Um, but Roman's first order of business absolutely gets on Jimmy's ass. Hey, man, I've been gone. Why the fuck is Cody on my show? Why is Jay on my show? They got the tag team belts. What have you done about them? Why are you over here calling audibles to just stick to the plays, this, that, and the third? I mean, just ripping them to shreds. And, of course, you know what I'm saying? Solo just doing what Solo I love, does. I love saying, Solo. <laughs> hey, man, Solo is that dude, man. So they go out, and, of course, John Cena has been tagging along with, with L.A. Knight, and it's been good for TV. But the best part about this, and I don't think a lot of people notice this, is that John Cena is actually taking a back seat. They know he knows how big LA Knight's getting, and he's just kind of chilling, just kind of hanging back. He's not really overtaking it with with his star power ability. John Cena can absolutely uh, 
be Patrick Patterson or Arn Anderson for his second coming of his career in WWE if he absolutely wanted to as a manager. He could just be a manager, one hundred percent, and be. But you know, also wouldn't be a bad. You know, if I'm a manager, also a tag team partner wouldn't be wouldn't be bad to have. Yeah. But um, so we get to that main event, and it's it's L.A. Knight versus Solo, and of course, you know, L.A. Knight, you know, comes comes up victorious, and a fight ensues. Here comes Jimmy Uso kicking people in the face. John Cena comes out, gets him with the F5, and then all of a sudden, back again, Solo tries to hit John Cena with the damn Samoan spike thing, and here comes L.A. Knight with the BFT, pow, knock his ass out. And then out of nowhere, boom, Roman Reigns with the spear. And guess what happened, ladies and gentlemen? John Cena was nowhere in sight. Why? John Cena was off camera, off to the side over here. Because they don't want John Cena taking anything away from the buildup of L.A. Knight. So kudos to John Cena for doing that. Now, Back to our regular schedule program. Let's get back to Monday night. Of course, now you've oh, got... By, by the way, Kevin Owens is now on SmackDown. That's true. Those My people. apologies. That was a big deal. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are officially no mas. So there's that. I thought um, that's what you mean that. by split. <laughs> that's what well, I thought you was going to say. Yeah. The bigger split was the whole general manager thing. But I get it was. Yeah. But so it just it's it's laying the groundwork for Survivor Series to go back to normal. Raw versus SmackDown, possibly NXT, like I've been saying and hinting, like, please. I hope so, because We've uh, are, the rumors, and Carmelo leading would be great. The rumors currently circulating are still going to be a Survivor Series War Games as being a thing. We'll see how that pans out. Um, so now we fast forward to Monday, and of course, Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso, still the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions. Hmm. Pardon me. Me and DJ Prime have been talking about this. Like, when are they going to finally split these belts up? Because if you're going to have two separate general managers at some point, you got to split these tag belts up. You just have to. So, all of a sudden, it was announced that um, Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes are going to defend their belts against the Judgment Day. Because right now, they are pushing the Judgment Day as, like, the biggest faction currently in wrestling. And they want the Judgment Day to have all the gold again like they had before they lost it initially. Um, you also had a phenomenal... Intercontinental Championship match between Bronson Reed and Gunther. Gunther. Got to say, not Gunther, Gunther. You know, you know got to make sure you put that oof in there. You know, saying, so you, you know, put a little oof in it. Anywho, you had a Falls Count Anywhere match that actually was one of my favorite matches all Monday between Ricochet and Shinsuke. God dog, that match was fantastic. <clears throat> then you also had Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley, another really solid match. Like Raw overall was a solid card, even the. Piper Niven match, eh, you know, whatever. But the way the show opened up was Sami Zayn. Solo officially, he has no tag team partner. Um, he's saying last year was the greatest year of his career. And, of course, now, you know, the Judgment Day is trying to get involved and beat the hell out of Sami, and then here comes Jey Uso. So now we've got this Jey Uso and Sami Zayn angle. So we'll see how that one plays out. Um, we'll see. The way I'm looking at it is you could, if you truly wanted to, like, I mean, you could just have everybody that the bloodline ever did wrong just come out and just just jump the bloodline if you really wanted to be just dumb with it. But now that the bloodline is basically down to two, you know, which would not be the ultimate plot twist if, like, this was all just a plot and a ploy? Yes. Like, that would be some just... But um yeah, I don't know how much did you get the how much of Raw did you get to watch Raw check all this stuff out? Not I've been I, I watched a lot of the YouTube stuff because you know when when Raw is going on, we're on here. That's true. The, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, 
I was live in the chat during that too. I was doing, yeah, I was doing all the stuff for those. Look, listen, ladies and gentlemen, my little area right here, my office slash gym slash my daughter's play area. I can do a lot of things in this area. So while basket to basket was live and in color, I had it on this screen here and I was also watching Monday night raw on the projector behind me. So I was live in the chat on Monday and they was having a hell of a show. I was enjoying the content, the back and forth they were doing. So We'll get back to that here in a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah, that falls kind of anywhere match, though. So there was a point in time, you know, how we, every time we see this match, like when you remember back when Bobby and Braun had this match and they went through the fucking the screen and shit. Yep. So Shinsuke tried to throw Ricochet through here. Ricochet hit a motherfucking backflip off that shit. Oh, I'm about to YouTube that. <laughs> that, shit was, that shit was epic. That shit was epic. Like it was it was just dope. In the end, Shinsuke ended up winning. But man, hell of a match. The backstage. I like part the of push. Yeah. I like the push that they've been giving Shinsuke. They, Bro, I like this they evil. I like it. This, evil, this evil Shinsuke is great. <sighs> but um, let me see. Then I want to get to the rest of these matches. Were like, eh. of course, there was also a promo between Seth and Drew McIntyre. You know, they're about to fight on um, Crown Jewel for the title. Not much to say here. So we'll just kind of go with it. Um, Going back down to the main event, because that's when shit kind of got crazy. No one expected what actually happened in this Universal Tag Team Championship match. So this match was going in. Hell of a match. Hard hitting. Back and forth. Everything you expected it. Insert Jimmy motherfucking Uso. So Jimmy Uso involves himself. And all of a sudden it costs. Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso, the tag team titles, which they just recently won. So I love that, and I hated it at the same time. I hated it because of the short title reign. I loved it because you're potentially setting us up a Jimmy versus Jey Uso at WrestleMania match. And I said it, and if they do this, I feel like, my personal opinion, I feel like it needs to be a Hell in a Cell match. It needs to be something that is not a standard match. But them two in a hell in a cell would be absolutely sensational. I just said on YouTube today, this is starting to give off a lot of Matt versus Jeff vibes. Whenever they had yeah. their, uh, what was it, I quit? Yeah. Hey, that would be dumb too. But I definitely think like a like a, a steel, uh, even just a steel, a classic steel cage match where you can kind of have Solo kind of get a little involved, Cody possibly get involved. Like you could just, you know, make it into something epic, you know? Definitely think it should be like a night one WrestleMania type of match. Oh yeah, yeah but I, I think it, I think I think it could be a really good match. That, and and it would be perfect to really see Jimmy and Jay really showcase their individual talents. So of course that also means that the Judgment Day is back to having all the belts. I still don't understand how they're allowing Dom to have the North American title when they took it off a of solo, like they did, but. Because they could have done the exact same thing they're doing with Dom right now. He's on NXT and he's on SmackDown. Like, he's doing them both, but whatever. So, the question became on NXT, how would they follow up the previous Tuesday? When you had John Cena, when you had Cody Rhodes, when you had Oscar, when you had Jade Cargill making a appearance, you had The Undertaker close out the show. The Undertaker. Like, how do you do this? How do you top it? Very easy. You let the NXT talent do what the fuck they've been doing because NXT has some phenomenal young talent. And, of course, you have got a battle of battles coming down. The main event of this was, of course, you had Carmelo Hayes. Um, excuse me. Carmelo Hayes, Baron Corbin, and I always mess up this guy's name. I'm sorry. Um, 
D-Jack. Sorry, D-Jack. That's his name. D-Jack is a – first of all, D-Jack is a massive talent. This guy is huge. He's bigger than I thought he was. Like, dude made Corbin look small. Like, he's a giant but a powerhouse. Like, it was great. So that was the original plan. Then all of a sudden, a, a screen comes up, and it's Ilya Dragunov saying, oh, by the way, Cody's last – move and act as general manager before he left was this triple threat match is now a fatal four-way insert whoop that trick insert trick williams into this mix and all shit dj prime and text me we was literally talking about this shit as soon as it happened i was like dog get the fuck out of here that shit was hype so i'm hyped the whole night because i'm like bro you got trick you got mellow you got like it just seemed like it was gonna be a dope ass match 45% 45% of the way through NXT, they cut do a cut scene to backstage. Somebody jumped Trick Williams, took him out the match. He was beat up in the back. Of course, Carmelo, first man on scene. I don't know what angle they're going to play this. Did did Carmelo sabotage this? Did Baron sabotage this? Did, 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 did Dragunov do this because he was worried about Trick Williams? Like, there's many a directions they can go, right? Ah, but so, it gives off 90s feud. Triple A Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. Yeah. So, of course, that happens. And um, so he takes himself, he gets taken out of this match. And so now you're just waiting. You're patiently waiting. You're hoping for the best. You're hoping that he'd be medically cleared. He was not. It literally ended up going back to a triple threat, which ended up being a phenomenal match. And it looked like Melo had no business in this match. He was getting beat the hell up. Corbin and D-Jack was all over him. They were just the bigger guys. You know what I'm saying? But all of a sudden, the tempo started picking up. Melo came out of nowhere, made moves, and he had to make moves. But D-Jack was on top of throwing his man out the ring, the kicks, the choke slams. All of a sudden, it was great. But out of nowhere, when when Carmelo Hayes <clears throat> caught that boot from D-Jack when Corbin ran in and dodged that choke slam, it just changed that whole match. And then... Hey, Melo was able to sneak back in, so now you've got Carmelo Hayes versus Ilya Dragunov, round three. I bring that up because at the end of this match, right, you had Lyra Valkyra, who's getting ready to fight um, Becky Lynch at Halloween Havoc for the for the NXT Women's Title. Mm-hmm. So she pulls a picture of her and Becky off her locker and rips it in half. And if you're watching, you know how they always watch like the screen in the back or whatever. So it, the screen all of a sudden cuts to Jade Cargill on screen and she looks at her watch and hits you on one of these <clears throat> which means it's highly possible to what we talked about building her up on nxt just that might happen fucking amazing and see here's why i also think it's a great idea because if they decide to go back with this raw versus smackdown versus nxt thing having jade cargill on the women's side of this would be phenomenal because they need a powerhouse the question will become Will Becky Lynch be the champion by this time? Mm. I'm just saying, Becky on Team NXT would be pretty, pretty, pretty dope. Would Becky be back on the main roster at this point? If she's the NXT champion, no. Right. There's a lot of ways they can play. This, this is this. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to give credit to Triple H because what Triple H has done, Triple H and, and obviously Shawn Michaels. And the creative team, but you know, uh, Triple H is head of creation, and I'm pretty sure Shawn Michaels is right there with him. So, what they have been able to do is something Vince McMahon had lost touch with, and that is 
writing stories within stories. Because I will go just to point out the bloodline started. Uh, Jay with Jay and Roman. It builds and builds and builds and builds up to this thing. They start falling off. Insert Judgment Day. Oh, by the way, on the flip side of that, enter Gunther in a way to make Imperium relevant without being in the main title picture. Here we go. Now we're to the point where Judgment Day and whatever is left of the bloodline has called a truce. Insert Jimmy Uso to make sure Jay and Cody Rhodes lose the tag team belts on Monday. There's so many stories intertwined here. And it is amazing to see, especially if you were growing up in the Attitude and Ruthless Aggression era. Yeah, because now insert Sami Zayn being on Raw. So now you've got the potential of Cody, Jay, and, and Sami together. You've also got the possibility. I mean, like, you know, like it's there's so many ways they can play this, and I love it all. I just do. I think the question now becomes for me is who do you get to take this damn title away from Dom on NXT? Because that oh, no, there's a whole there's a whole there's, he's got a whole other um he's got a whole other thing coming up. Um I got I wish I had the video up. It was it was fucking great. Um because um he was chilling, he was just chilling in the back, and then all of a sudden it's something that's been going on for a couple weeks now, but Dude comes up and pushes Dom, and they just get into it. Like they got into a whole brawl. It was, it was, I gotta, I have to find it again. But, but it was great. Oh, speaking of yeah, stories intertwining, you also see if you pay attention and watch every week. There is some tension there with Finn Balor and Damian Priest, and it, they 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 excuse keep me, building excuse it. Me, sir. You mean Senior Money in the Bank? Yes, I know Senor Money in the Bank. Yes, yes. You and I think the fall of the Judgment Day is Damian Priest is going to eventually get get the the belt, whether it's the heavyweight or the the undisputed. And Finn is not going to be happy for the for him as time goes on. And I think that's him getting. I think that's when Priest will get somehow pushed out of Judgment Day, and then they'll insert um, JD McDonough. Yes, sir. And the Judgment Day will continue that way. <clears throat> a lot of people forget Edge was pushed out of his own faction. <laughs> he was pushed out of his own faction. Hey, your mic's on mute. So, but um, yeah. For those of you that don't know, Edge got pushed out of the Judgment Day, and that was his faction when Finn came along. Uh, it's the the stories of being intertwined in WWE right now is ridiculous because I have been a hot and cold, hot and cold kind of thing. Like I'm going to watch pay per views and. Not really pay attention to anything else because when I was young, I couldn't afford to watch the pay-per-views um, yeah. consistently. I don't know how Jeremy got tickets to WrestleMania here in fucking Houston, and he couldn't watch most of the pay-per-views either, but somebody made it happen. Shit. I mean, uh, but, I get lucky sometimes. Yeah, that's cool. But uh, And I'm not hating. That's dope. I wish I could have won. But uh, like I said, man, it, it's, it's dope to see Triple H, Shawn Michaels do their thing because as you know, a lot of the Judgment Day kind of reminds me of the DX thing where Triple H and Shawn Michaels were starting to grow and resent each other within the group because they were both main eventers. Yeah. So it, there, there's a lot of ways to go with this. It's it's actually to the point where, especially NXT, you know me for the past three, four years now. Damn it, 
since NXT came along, it was like, you don't watch NXT. That's amateur shit. <laughs> Boy, the growth of NXT has been amazing. And NXT is looking like they're going to win war games if they do the war games. Yeah, I mean, they, like they have all the momentum. They're building up to be strong enough to eventually be the third brand, not like the JV, if you will. Because they've already we've seen what it looks like when they start to mix talent and it it still can stand up and stand up and set itself apart. Unfortunately, ECW couldn't do that. No, but I'd love for them if they did it this way, did the Raw versus Magnavers NXT have some kind of like some kind of like trophy or something that they have to pass around each year, like like something like that, because I think that would be absolutely fire. Oh, hell yeah. But um so yeah, so that <laughs> that wraps up all the fun and adventure that we had rocking and rolling here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so any any final thoughts, concerns, words, um, complaints, anything of that sort? Uh well, you know, um from the sidelines it's here all week for the people out there. Uh, you know, tomorrow we got the first lady, like I promised y'all, Zamora. There you go. There's your answer for earlier. And Willie on PVT. Uh where they embrace the bias. It's funny because I came up with the term for that show. You know, so they embrace the bias. And, of course, on Friday, you got Mr. GQ here. You got uh, old head Mel, And you got Moo on Inside the Huddle, our flagship football show. The best damn football show on the Internet, period. I don't care if somebody out there is going to be like, well, what about Nightcap with uh, Shannon and Ocho Cinco? I don't give a damn. I stand by what I say. And, of course, on Monday, you got me back in the building. You got Troy. You got Moo. Maybe a special guest. Uh, we'll be back here for Basket to Basket. Hopefully, at some point, probably during the middle of the season, we'll get some, some fantasy football stuff going on. Maybe just a, just a little sit-in and we talk about recap half the fantasy and give out some awards and stuff like that. I'm I'm saying it just so that was in my head all day. That way you can hear it, too. I'm um, with you. So, yeah. So once we get to midseason, we'll definitely put a special together doing that. Whether it's on Gentleman's Talk, we pop up on a, a random Tuesday, which is our only day we don't have a show, a permanent show. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so, no, final, final words are pretty simple, man. First and foremost, this is important. Nah, fuck that. I'm going to say that to the end. Um, Like DJ Michael B said, man, y'all got to check out the show, man, because we only going up from here. Like I said, tomorrow inside – not tomorrow. Tomorrow, player versus team, we're going to turn up. We're going to do what we do. Friday inside the huddle. Yes, baby. What's this you do, baby? While he's on pause, shout out to y'all, man. 500 subscribers on YouTube. So like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe to the best damn podcast series on the internet. All right. So toddler things, you know, dad life. Um, yeah. So like I said, you know what I'm saying? We got inside the huddle. It's going to be on and popping. We got a loaded show for y'all on Friday. Monday, basket to basket, it's gonna be on and popping. So, yours truly, Mr. GQ, will be dropping in the building because I'm making my GQ rounds. <laughs> I will be making my appearance just like I did on Player versus Team last week. So be ready for that. It's gonna be on. It's gonna be good. I will be live from Frisco, Texas, because I'll be on. I'll be on a trip for work, so I'll be doing the show from a, a different location than I normally do. But you know, the aesthetics will look the same. So and. DJ Michael B took it from me. I was going to say that and say that for the end, but it's all good in the hood. But again, I'm just going to echo them sentiments. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate every single one of you, all 502 of you guys who have subscribed to From the Sidelines, who've been here with us since the beginning. For those who have rocked with Gentlemen's Talk since we were just an audio cast, all the way up until now, us being a live stream, doing what we do now, seeing us on multiple shows a week now. And, hey, man, we said it on Inside the Huddle, so I'm going to make sure I repeat it and say it over here. It's only so many seats on this train, man. When we take off, man, don't try to ask six seats no more, man, because ain't going to be no more room for you. You better jump on this thing while it's, while it's, while it's space, because when we gone, we gone. And all you can do is watch from the sidelines. Watch from the sidelines. One last thing, shout out to my beautiful girlfriend Carla. Hey, and happy birthday! Wife. Oh, happy birthday, Carla! She done turned twenty-one. Oh snap! <laughs> Don't do that. You make me sound like a predator, dog. <laughs> oh snap! I am your man, Mister GQ. I am signing off. Man, that was good.